0: You can live, if you can live your life without, uh, without involving God in it, then, you, then you're living just a natural life. You know, um, God wants to be involved in every area of our life. He doesn't want to be just involved in just the big things, but He wants to be involved in the little things as well. And, and in saying that, that's the reason that we talk about, that's, that's the reason that we're talking about um, every area of our life, living, learning to walk in the supernatural Learning to involve God in everything that we do you know i for me personally I don't want to do anything that doesn't involve God and you know what i can even I can play golf and still involve God in my golf game you know I can go to work and involve God in my work i can I can go to lunch with my wife and involve god in that in that that meeting with my wife or that that lunch time that I spend time with my wife or with one of you guys. You see, what I'm saying is this: so much of the time we we try to separate the t- two, and we try to make it to where we have to we have to get God involved over here. But then we have this part of our life where we don't really involve God and we don't think about God. But that's not the way it should be. Everything everything that we do, we should have uh, God as a part of. Right. Amen. That's right. And that's the reason I believe God when when God spoke that to me this year. Uh, for this year, that that 2019 would be a year of the supernatural, and in in the fact that that you know that it would become like our new natural. What I believe what he was trying to get across to us is that very fact that he wants to be involved in everything, not just the big things, not just when you have a problem. You know, he's not a he's not a magic uh, fairy or a magic. You know potion or something you just say hocus pocus and you know here's whenever you need it no he, he wants to be invo- he, wants, he wants to be involved with you from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep, and then he's, he's always doing things even while we're sleeping amen so, so in other words, he wants to be involved in everything we've looked at so far this year we've we've talked about you know we've looked at the supernatural for a while and, and for a few weeks on that we've talked about how that uh, anything that has to do with God is going to involve faith, and you know we we spent some weeks talking about faith. Then we talked about uh, one of the biggest ways that we release our faith and that we put our faith to work is by our words. And we talked about the power of our words, and we we look at you know the importance of saying the right thing. And man, I mean, and, there, and and I love to see when you guys grab hold of that because I'm even seeing you know I'm seeing you know hearing some of you give testimonies about you know realizing what you're saying and, and the power of that. And, and it's incredible. It, you know, it's awesome when, when you see folks grabbing hold of the Word and running with it. You know, that's a, that's a very cool thing. So then, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been we've been sharing about um, another reality, and that is that is understanding who we are in Christ. Because we talked about, you know, it's great to have faith. You've got to have faith. You've got to use your words. But if you don't understand who you are, then you're going to be missing a huge part in your Christian life, and we talked about how that there's really an identity crisis in the body of Christ because so many people still are, they, they still have the mentality that they're uh, that that they are you know that they have to struggle that they have to sin that they have to do these things instead of realizing. Now, two weeks ago, we we spent the whole the whole sermon in the whole weekend, uh, Romans chapter five, talking about. Um, our identity and who we identify with whether you identify with the with the with the first Adam or whether you identify with the last Adam and it's a hu- that's there's a huge difference in those two the first Adam being the natural side of man because the bible tells us that because of the <clears throat> because of the first Adam in Romans chapter 5 it tells us because sin entered into the world through one man and it it caused all men to miss it caused all men to, to have that separation from God now because of the mistake that Adam and Eve made because of that it was passed on from that moment on it was passed on that we, we were born spiritually dead and there was, there was a gap now between between the human race and God and you know so, so that's the whole reason why in the Old Testament you go through and you see God institute the, uh, the, the rituals of, of sacrifices of, of shedding of the blood of you know sprinkling on the mercy seat and and it, it gave it gave uh, you know it gave cover for a year and everything and and it would kind of hold back hold back the the wrath of God and things like that. Well, when Jesus came, the Bible tells us that He came as the last Adam. In other words, the very same law, the law of substitute or the law of, of identification. In other words, we were all identified with Adam, meaning that when we were born, we were born separated from God. And there was no way you could get around that. If you were born into this world, then you were separated from God because of what Adam did, the transgression that Adam did. But, but the great news was that we looked at last week in Romans 5 and 6 was that the, the very same way that Adam caused all men to be separated from God, what Jesus did when He, when he came and He lived and He died and He rose again what he did by the very same law, by the very same law of identification, now because of what he did when you identify with Jesus, you know, you hear this, uh, you, hear, you hear that word identify, you know, in the news you hear, well, this person identifies, this man identifies as a woman, you know, and, and all of this stuff. And, and it's just craziness. But, but you know, when, when you realize the power of identification, in other words, you, when you realize the power of who you truly are, yeah. then you will realize the importance of knowing that when you identify yourself as a Christian, not just because of your words, but because of a heart relationship, right? It's not just because you say it, but the Bible says you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you shall be born again. So when you identify yourself as, as being part of the family, you, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us now you're no longer identified with the first Adam. You are now identified with the last Adam, Jesus Christ, and what He did. So, you know, and, and this is the part that a lot of people struggle with. And what I want to talk to you about today is this. We we, we, gave, we went through all the Scriptures uh, two weeks ago about, about, you know, the difference between the first Adam and the last Adam and how, how that, you, you know, we have to see ourselves... You see, when God sees us, when God looks at you and when God looks at me, He sees us through the blood. He sees us in Christ. Well, that's great, but the reality is this. You have to see yourself in Christ before you will ever attain the the benefits of that relationship. If you you still see yourself as in Adam and struggling with with everything that, that, that that identification brought then you're not going to you're not going to reap the benefits of your relationship with Jesus because you are because you are still saying well this is who I am. You're still saying things like I'm sick. I'm I'm depressed. I'm I'm this and I'm that instead of looking at it the way God sees it to where he says no, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm set free, I'm delivered. And you know, so how you see yourself and how you identify yourself is a huge part. And here's the here's the problem with this because I hear people When you when you start talking about these things, I hear people talk about this, um, you know, because we were born with a sin nature, right? I mean, there that was that was the part of the curse when when Adam when Adam sinned or transgressed against God, did what God told him not to do. All of a sudden, the the glory left him, and and he became he uh, a sin nature was imparted. In other words, basically, he just he took what God had given him. And handed it to Satan and said, now, now, instead of God being in control, now you're in control. And the Bible tells us that. I mean, there's Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that says, you know, Paul would say things like, he would say things like, you know, you once were like that, but not any longer. You know, and, but people still say, I still hear Christians and I still hear lots of people still say, well, we, well you know, we, we have a sin nature. But the reality is this. Once you get born again, you no longer have a sin nature. Amen. Now, does that mean you can't sin? Not at all. Because you can choose to sin if you want to. But, that, but it's not because of your nature now. And I want to show you, because this morning I want to talk to you about what does it mean, what does being in Christ really mean? Because the moment you got born again... The Bible says that you were put into Christ. And we throw that phrase around a lot and we talk about it a lot, and especially in our circles, and we talk about, you know, being in Christ and being in Him, and and that's wonderful. But if you don't understand what that means, then you're not going to walk in the power of it. Amen. So open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll just look at verse 17. Very familiar passage. It's not, uh, shouldn't be anything new to you, but maybe maybe you'll see it in a new light this morning. Second Corinthians five verse seventeen, Paul says this. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Amplified. Let's look at the Amplified on that verse. It says this. Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ the Messiah, he is a new creation. Now notice this, a new creature altogether. The old previous mortal and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and the new has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now, what does that scripture mean? We we all heard that scripture. We we can all of y'all most of you can probably quote it. But really and truly, when we when we get down to the to the nuts and bolts of it, what does that scripture telling us? Here's what he says. He says if any man now I want you to notice the the language of this because this is important. He says if any man be in Christ. He didn't say if any man try to be. He didn't say if any man grows up and becomes and eventually gets to be in christ he's, he simply said, "If any man be in Christ, what he 's saying is this: the moment that you get born again it 's not that he plants a baby seed in your heart and says, well one day you'll grow up to become you know in Christ, and you 'll get to take part of all the benefits that 's not what happens. the moment you get born again, when you ask Jesus to be your savior when you ask when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and you enter into a relationship with Jesus, the moment that happens, the Bible says you become that you become a brand new being. Now, there's different translations, different uh, different you know words and, and studies and stuff you can do on that. One of the one of the uh, one of the different definitions of that word "new," it, it means this new, totally new in type totally new in being. And, and one definition even says this, something that has never existed before. So it's not like God, it's not like when you, when you, you know, entered a relationship with him, it's not like he came in and did a makeover. You know, we all like those, most of us like those HGTV shows about, you know, where they come in and they, they tear a wall down or two, or they paint a wall or put something else up and, and redecorate stuff and, and man, people walking. oh, this is totally new. Well, it's not really new. You know, the stuff on the wall may be new, but but it's the, same, it's the same, you know, it's still the same thing. Well, that's not what God does. He doesn't come in and just clean it up a little bit. When you get born again, the Bible says that God comes in and creates something in you, puts something in you, creates a brand new being in you, something that has never existed before. Now, what is that? Well, now, I just want, you know, think about just for a moment, We, we even when we were receiving the offering, we may mention that God loved us so much that He gave us His prized possession. He gave Jesus to come to this earth and to live and die so that, so that we could have that relationship with Him. Now, when Jesus was here, Jesus made this statement to His disciples. He said, you know, now I've got to go away in John 13, 14, 15, 16, all in that as... The last few uh, weeks and months, probably that he was with his disciples, he he would he was talking to him about this. But he said, "Listen, it's very important that I go away." Amen. He says, "I have." He says, "It's imperative." He says, "It's so much better for you if I go away," because he said, "Because if I go away, then when I get to heaven, when I get when God receives me back into heaven, he said, then he will release to you." another comforter, and that word another, we've we've looked at this many times, that word another means one identical to. In other words, what Jesus was saying was this, then when I get back to heaven, God's going to send somebody identical to me, but He's not just going to come and live among you and walk beside you like I did, but Jesus said this, he He said, God will give you the Holy Spirit, but He's going to come live on the inside of you. So see, what God did at salvation, what God did at that moment, and the reason that he says you're a brand new creation and you're you're something that is something that totally never even existed before, was because what God did at salvation was he created a, a home on the inside of you for him to come and move in and live. And I promise you this you can go all the way back to the Old Testament and you can you can study and you can see from the Old Testament. You know, God will not live. God will not stay in places where, where. Uh, let me see how to say that. You remember the story of uh, Uzziah when, when they were moving the ark of the covenant, <clears throat> and the presence of God was so precious that Uzziah really, in the natural, we look at that and we think, man, that was pretty harsh on God because Uzziah was just trying to to steady the ark to keep it from falling. I mean, he didn't do. It wasn't like he was doing a a, a grievous thing they were just carrying the ark back and, and the oxen stumbled and the, the ark started to fall off the wagon and, and this guy just reaches up to hold it so that it doesn't fall off and God kills him because he touched his presence. Because his presence was so holy and so precious. Well, think about, Now think about that image and then at salvation and under the new covenant, God creates a place on the inside of each one of us For him to come and put that very presence. So, God is not going to put, He's not going to put His presence in something that just just an old, barely get by, you know, rickety shack. He's going to create something. And and Paul uh, later on, and Jesus even made these statements, but Paul said it a couple times, He, he made statements like this Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You know, so God did something so radical in us, so amazing in us, that He created a brand new, something brand new that had never existed before, and it was a place where God could dwell on the inside of a human being. Amazing. But now here is, the, here is probably even the more amazing thing than that. You could actually live your life after Jesus comes into your life, after the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you, and after the Holy Spirit comes to make home in your life, you could actually ignore Him and live your life like He's not even there. God forbid. You know, uh, in one, one place, Paul made the statement, and in, in I think it's the message translation, says it like this, but he says, he says you're living your life like a mere mortal man. Like like God hasn't even made a difference in your life. Think about that. You see, if, if we started looking at our lives from that aspect, because uh, even, even as I'm saying those things, I'm sitting here thinking in my mind, man, that's a radical statement. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's a pretty radical thing that God did. But that's exactly what He said He did. That, that when we are in Christ, that if any man be in Christ... And here's here's the point I was wanting to make with that. I went on a whole different rabbit trail, but the word "be," you know, we don't have we don't even have to try to be in Christ. We are. As salvation, God put you in Christ, and that's where we be. Amen. We be in Christ. Excuse my English, but but. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. He said, You are, right now, you are in Christ. And if you are in Christ, then old things are passed away and all things have become new. Now, that doesn't mean, here's the the kicker. From the spiritual standpoint, from the spiritual standpoint, when God moves in and God comes in and, and does a radical work on the inside of us, from a from a spiritual standpoint, we're perfect. When God sees us, he sees His son. but you know to me' it's, it's like like I said earlier, it's an amazing thing that God has even though he came and moved in and and, and you know made his made out made us his home, he still leaves it up to us and gives us the choice and the decision what we're going to do. With our old man. Because the reality, here's the reality of our old man. Our old man is dead. The old sin nature is gone. And now everything's brand new. We have a new nature. We have a new daddy. We have a new bloodline. We have every listen, everything stopped at the cross. Amen. But if you and I do not Uh, see ourselves that way and we don't walk in those things and we don't appropriate those things, then we can live as if God never even existed in our body. It's a choice. And a lot of people choose to live that way. But we don't have to. You see, because he says here, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So you're a brand new creation, a man in Christ. Now listen, the, a man in Christ is a partaker, is, is, a, is a recipient of the life and the nature of God. We have on the inside of us at this very moment, if you, are, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you're born again, what we call born again. Jesus talked about to, with Nicodemus in that in John chapter 3. A man must be born again. You know, And if you are born again... we we are partakers of the very life and nature of God. That means that we don't have to be partakers of the old sin nature, but now we can be be partakers of God's nature. Now notice this. Let's turn to 1 John. Let me just show you a few scriptures here this morning. And this is going to take a little while to develop, so this, this will be a couple weeks we'll talk about this. 1 John chapter 5. And let's look at verse 11. 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. John said this, he said, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. When, When you hear the term eternal life, we're going to read a few more verses here, but When you hear the word, the term eternal life, probably the majority of you, the first thing that you think of is heaven. You know, when I, growing up, I grew up in a denominational church, and every time I heard eternal life, it was always preached, and it was always taught that eternal life is what we get after this life, you know, that we'll be in heaven for eternity, that's eternal life. Anybody else hear that? I mean, when, when you think of eternal, eternal life, most people think of the future. Most people think of what heaven's going to be. We're going to have eternal life when we get to heaven. But that's not what eternal life is. Now, that's part of it. But notice here that he said this. He said that this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. See, you have eternal life living on the inside of you right now. Eternal life is is alive and well on the inside of your spirit, man, right now. Because he said this. He said that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. So whatever, whatever is in Jesus is in us because we are in Him. So if eternal life is in Jesus, then we have eternal life right now. The question is, what is eternal life? Let's go on and read a couple more verses. Verse 12, he goes on to say this, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And then verse 13 says this, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. The Amplified in verse 13 says this. We'll just read just in verse 13. He says, I write this to you who believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on the name of the Son of God, in the particular services and blessings conferred by Him on men, so that you may know with settled and absolute knowledge that you already have life, yes, eternal life. So see... If you believe in Jesus and you're a believer and you know there's different different terms we we say a believer say born again say we call it a Christian I mean whatever term you want to put on it if you if you are a born again believer and you have a relationship with Jesus then you have eternal life living on the inside of you and you might ask me well what's the big deal about that well because eternal life is the life of God so you have the life of God living on the inside of you right now now listen to this in uh, you don't have to turn there but John 17:3 you can just write, write this down John seventeen. 3, well no nah, let's just turn there just you can see this John 173 because they ask the question now this is Jesus and and he's actually praying and he's praying to the Father here and and he, he makes this statement in verse number three. And Jesus makes this statement. Now, notice this. He says, and this is life eternal. So he's getting ready to tell us what eternal life is. He says, and this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So Jesus said eternal life is when we get to know God and we get to know Jesus, we develop a relationship with him. It brings eternal life. What is eternal life? Eternal life is the very life of God. It's His nature. It's His. It's His. uh, You know. It's His. It's everything God is. That's what He put on the inside of us. When we became new creations, when when God put us in Christ, He put His life on the inside of us. Now, the important part. The the important. The reason that that is important is because we're not just living any old life down here then. We're not, you know, I grew up hearing the phrase, you know, every, I mean, you know, I I mean, I grew up in church and, and, you know, I mean, you know, so I was in church all the time. And and it was a denominational church. But I heard the phrase and I still hear people say it today. Well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. You know, and and here's the implication of that. Here's what they're saying. I'm still just an old sinner. You know, God's just given me some of His grace. But that is such a mischaracterization mischaracteriza- of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because when you got born again, you're no longer just an old sinner. You now have the very eternal life of God dwelling on the inside of you. So for you to just to say, oh, I'm just an old worm, I'm just an old sinner, that is, that is, that is lowering... The very life of God to such a level that it's almost disgraceful, because you're no longer just an old sinner; you're now the very you. You now have the very life of God living on the inside of you. Amen. God gives us a new God gives us a new quality of life in Christ. It's His life, eternal life. Look at Romans six, and we all know this scripture. Romans six. Verse 23, Romans 6, 23 says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So see, eternal life is a gift that He gives us. Yes, the wages of sin is death, but the the gift of God is eternal life. We have eternal life living on the inside of us right now. And see, God sees you in Christ, but you have to see yourself that way. If you don't see yourself in Christ, if you don't see yourself having the life of God living on the inside of you, then you'll live your life just struggling to get by. Just barely making it. Just not knowing how to get through. No, you have the very life of God living on the inside of you. Now, turn to Ephesians. Let me show you this. I know I'm, I'm getting you to turn to a lot of places this morning, but it's good to be familiar with your Bible. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. Now, I love, I love the prayers that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. Uh, matter of fact, I've got it printed up in, in my Bible, and, and, and I pray those prayers on a regular basis because they're such powerful prayers. But I want you. To, I want to just read this, and I want you to look at this from, from Paul's standpoint. Paul had a revelation of this, and Paul understood that we have the life of God living on the inside of us, and he understood what that life would do for us. Let's just we'll just pick up reading in verse seventeen, Ephesians one, verse seventeen. He says this that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now remember, Jesus Himself said that eternal life was the knowledge of God. He said, said, this is life eternal, that they may know You, God, and that they would know Me. Paul prayed the same thing. He said, God, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of You. So Paul said, "I I I want the church... And and he was praying this for us. He said, I want people at Destiny to know who you are. And to know, and actually, because when you know who He is, then you'll know who you are. Amen. You see, because the, the in Christ Scriptures, Brother Hagen always taught it this way, that, that there's over 130 times in the New Testament that the, that the words in Christ, in Him, or in Whom, Something in that, in, in some variety of that, there's over 130 times that that's listed in the New Testament, and and a great study to do is to go through your New Testament and highlight or circle or underline or whatever you do or make you a notebook of it or whatever. And people have done this, so it's taken the work out of it for you. But but it's a great study for you to do yourself as well. But you can go through every time that that's mentioned. Those words are mentioned, and it tells you one of two things. It tells you who you are, or it tells you what you have. Or what you can do. I guess it's three things. Who you are, what you have, or what you can do. So those, you know, so so those scriptures, 130 times in the New Testament, he tells us who we are, what we have, or what we can do. And here Paul is praying this. And he said, God, that, that, that you would give your church, your, your, your family, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of yourself, that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding great... Now, I love this verse. Listen to this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe... Now, I want you to notice that exceeding power, the greatness of that power, was directed toward us. He said that power to us. In other words, when God raised Jesus from the dead, that power, that very same power was directed right at you and right at me. And it was directed to us because one day he knew that he would be living on the inside of us. He says that, and, and with the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. There, there's one of them, is what, is what God did in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Far above principality and power and, and might and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now, man, we can stop right there and and just rejoice at that. But I want you to notice God doesn't stop just at what he did in Christ. Look at verse. Look at chapter two. You, You remember this wasn't written in chapter and verse when Paul wrote these letters. So. This was a continued thought. And Paul said this in chapter 2, verse 1. And you, hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. See, at one time you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were, you were identified with the old Adam. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Wherein, in times past, you walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you know, God, Satan was your God. In in times past, he said, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, that we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So everybody in this room was that way one day. At one time, you, you you lived your life, had your conversation, your way of life, Everything that you did was according to the power of Satan in your life. That's the the nature, that's the sin nature. Now, it would be bad if he stopped right there, but thank God he didn't. Verse number four, and this is is one of those big buts. Don't you, you know, you got to love when God puts those big buts in there. Because he said this He says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He hath quickened us up together with Christ. By grace are you saved. And then look at verse number 6. And He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So see, that is, that is where you are right now. You are sitting in heavenly places with Jesus Christ right now. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what you're going through. That's where you are. Yeah. Now, you can remove yourself from there, and you can, you can get down here and get entangled in all the, the stuff of the world if you want to, but you don't have to be entangled with everything down here. If you, if you realize who you are in Christ, it's not something you're trying to be. It's not something that, that you have to work yourself up to be. It's, it is who you are right now. You are in Christ and you are seated in heavenly places. The, the, uh, Brother Hagin always said that, that Ephesians 1.20 and Ephesians 2.6 were the hinges that the believer's authority hung on. And here's the two hinges. We just read them, but Ephesians 1.20, it says that that power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead... And set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places. So God raised Jesus and set Him him at His own right hand. And then chapter 2 verse 6 said, And God hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God raised Jesus from the dead, seated Him in heavenly places, gave Him all authority... Then He turned right around and said, now I'm going to raise every person that believes in Him. I'm going to bring them up to that same level and they're going to sit together with Christ at my right hand in heavenly places. So everything that Jesus is, you are. Everything that Jesus has, you have. Everything that Jesus can do, you can do. Why? Because we are in Him. And until you see yourself that way, then you'll stay down here on this level, saying, "Well, I just can't do that." Well, you just don't know my you just don't know my circumstances. You just don't know my problems. Well, you just don't know your God. You just don't realize what He did for you. Amen. You just hadn't seen yourself lately. That went over. Well, amen, Pastor. That's true. So, well, some of y'all look at me like, yeah, I have too, and that ain't me. Let me say this again. You hadn't looked in the mirror and seen yourself. I'm in Christ. What's in Christ is in me. He sat me at the right hand. I'm seated together with Christ in heavenly places right now. If I'm in Christ, I'm a new creature. That old sin nature don't have rule over me. That sin nature can't rise up and say that to me because I all things are new. I have the nature of God. I have the life of God living in me. Look at that. Look at who I am in Christ. See the problem here. Here's here's the problem. Here's how we look at ourselves. We we cover this thing up. You know, and hide it as much as we can because we know what it says, but it's not what we look like in a regular mirror. Because we know our thoughts, we know our what we did, what we do, what you know. And what we have to start doing is taking this out and seeing ourselves according to the way God sees us. Because when God sees you, He sees you in Christ. He sees you seated together in heavenly places. He sees the very life of God living on the inside of you. So what does it mean to be in Christ as we start start looking at this? What does it mean to be in Him? It means that we see ourselves the way He sees us. It means that we we find out about who Jesus is. We find out what Jesus did. We find out all of these things. And then according to that, that's who we are. That's how we see ourselves. You know what some of you need to do is you need to let God introduce you to your true self. Come on now. Come on. You need to get along with God and just ask Him, God, who am I? Who am I, God? If, if, you, if you made me, and He did, and you created me, and you you made me this person that I am, then who am I? And you know what God will do? He'll start showing you who you are don't let listen do not let people put labels on you do not let your failures put labels on you do not let your mistakes limit what God wants to do in your life listen we've all made mistakes we've all we've all failed at things we've all done wrong things but we if the only the only time that that is a bad situation is when you stay in that if you, if you ever get to the place where you start saying, God, show me who I am. God, I want, I want to get out of this mess I'm in. Help me be who you call me to be. And start asking the question, God, who am I in Christ? Show me who I am. And then He'll start showing you who you are. Now listen to this. I, want, I, want to just, I found this. I'm just going to read this. And, and here, here, is, here is what... Uh, if you allow God to introduce, your, introduce you to your new self... Here's, here's some confessions that you can that you can make. And here's what God would show you. And and this is just a good this is made in declaration form, in confession form, but but here it is. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I have God's very own life and nature living on the inside of me. The life of God is in me now. I now I know that I have eternal life. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. In Christ, I am redeemed. In Christ, I am blessed. And in Christ, I am victorious. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ, I am delivered from the power of darkness and I have been translated into the kingdom of the Son of God. In Christ, I have redemption through his blood, which means even the forgiveness of my sins. I mean, that's just, and that's just what, five or six of those in Christ statements. There's 130 of them in the New Testament. So let me just ask you this question as we finish up today Have you seen yourself lately? Have you looked at yourself through his eyes? Not through, not through your eyes, not through your spouse's eyes, not through work or not through school or, or your history, your background, but have you seen yourself through His eyes? Because if you have, you're pretty incredible. You're pretty awesome because you're in Him. And everything that's in Christ is in you. Everything that he can do you can do. Jesus himself said it he said these works that I do he said, he said greater works than these things shall you do? You know don't get hung up on the on the greater works, just do just do the works. Amen. you know, hey Jesus did some pretty good works. He raised the dead, he healed the sick, cast out demons I mean that's that's a good start for you. When you get those down, come see me and we'll talk about the greater works. <laughs> but but my question is just simply this this morning. Have you seen yourself lately? Have you real? have you opened up the word and found yourself? You know, I believe that's what Jesus did. I believe when he was a young boy, I believe he took the scrolls, and I believe that he found himself. And he, he found out who he found out who he was and then he let that dictate what he did. You see so much of the time guys, we let we let what other people think about us dictate what we do. You hear you hear people say enough, you can't do that. Then you know what? You'll stop trying. You, you know you you're you're from the wrong side of the tracks, you're from the wrong family, you're the wrong this, you're the wrong that, and it'll stop people from from doing what God's called them to do. Always let God tell you who you are. Always let the Word tell you who you are. And then follow Him in that. Amen? Now listen, part of of what He's called us to do is that He's called us to, um, to be His hands and feet in this world. Right? And part of that is, you know, in the book of James, the Bible says that that if any are sick among you, to let them call for the elders of the church, to lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and, and to pray over them. Well, we, we have somebody that's asked asked us to pray over them this morning, so we're going to do that, and we're going to pray over anybody else that would like to be prayed on. Because, listen, now it doesn't take anybody special. We, we've talked about this. It does, you don't have to go chasing the biggest name in the country to, to get to, to receive your healing. Because you know what the same the same Jesus and the same Holy Spirit that's in Bill Johnson or in Billy Graham or Kenneth Hagin or Kenneth Copeland or or Oral Roberts or you you name whoever you want to name, the same Holy Spirit and the same God that's in them he's living on the inside of you. You know the the difference is the difference really to be honest with you is that certain people have allowed God they've seen themselves. They've seen what God has wanted them to do. They they found themselves in the Word, and they've just allowed God to minister through them. Amen. But what I'm saying in that is this: is that each one of us, me, you, all of us in here, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. And just like just like Jesus laid hands on people and they were they were healed, not one time. Listen, not one time in the New Testament can you find. Where somebody came to Jesus to be healed, and they were not healed. That's right. That's right. Now Jesus didn't heal everybody he saw. You understand that, but but anybody that came to came to Jesus to be healed, not one time do we find in the Word that the Bible says that Jesus told him, said, "Well, said it's just not for you today, or it's not my will." Sorry, you know I, you know all my anointings left for the day. Not one time. But, you know, time after time after time, you see statements like this, Jesus healed them all. The whole multitude was healed. Everyone received healing. And you know what? That, that is still true today. You know why? Because the life of God is living on the inside of us. And y'all wasn't as excited about that part, but it's true. The life of God is living on the inside of us. So when we lay hands on people, we should expect to see people healed. When we pray for people, when we, when we minister to people, we should expect that God would do what He said He would do in His Word because we're His kids. Amen. So here's, here's what I'd like for you to do. If you, if you would like to be prayed for, if you need healing in your body, or you need any type of prayer. Uh, I just want to invite you to come down and we're going to pray for you. Um, and, and if you need, listen, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior, man, I'm telling you, there's no great, there'd be no greater day than today for us to get to introduce you to, to, to my best friend. And I'm sure he's the best friend of many people in here, but, but whatever needs you have, if you need salvation, if you need healing, if you need uh, deliverance, whatever it is you need, I just, I'm just going to invite you to come down and we're just going to pray for you and we're going to believe God with you. And we're going to, we're going to see people healed. Amen. I believe it, because listen, the very life of God is living on the inside of us. Amen. So let's stand to our feet just just real quick, and if you if you would like to be prayed for, just come on come on, make your way down, and I'm going to grab this, I'll lift this up here, <clears throat> and we're going to we're going to pray for these that come. And here's here's what I want to do. Yeah, this is what I want to do. Thank you, Lord. Now Ms. Dory's is having surgery this week, and uh, on her eyes. And we're just believing that that as uh, as she has that this surgery that that uh, that the miraculous is going to happen. Amen. 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 Now she struggled with her vision for a while, and and she's been believing for a long time with this. And we're going to believe that that as uh, as even even as she's having the surgery. Uh, that we're gonna, that she's gonna see a miraculous outcome, amen. and even, and we'll we'll even declare that even before the surgery, she'll see some things changing, amen. and uh, and you know, and maybe we'll just we'll just even declare you won't even, may not even need that surgery, amen. Oh, yeah. So that that would be that would be awesome. Here, here's what I want to do. <clears throat> uh, even as I was just saying that, if you if you're here and you and and this just really resonated with you, and you say, man, I've got the power of God on the inside of me, I want to pray for somebody. I want to lay hands on somebody. I want, to, I, want, I want you to come down. I want us just to gather around Ms. Dory, and we're going to anoint her. Anybody that, if you have faith and you, you say, man, I want to see people healed, and I want God to use me for healing, then I just want you to come down and just, we're going to hook our faith up into agreement today, amen, with Ms. Dory. Amen. Anybody's welcome to come. Amen. We're God. just going to anoint her with oil right now. Now, if you need healing... I just want to. I just want to say this. If you need whatever you need in your body, you just thank you just Father. come down and just receive it right now with with thank this. You, Amen. And thank you for that Hallelujah. And that yes. Jesus. Right now, Father. Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for that going to her sight. Thank you. That Lord. she lighten, That she can see. She'll yes. You give us eyes to see, <laughs> ears to hear, and thank you, Father, that anointing you, within her is working. In her mightily right now. Thank you, Lord. In a cure. Bringing healing and a cure. We thank you for that, Father. And we believe it and we receive it done right now. In Jesus', Jesus name. name. Thank you, Father. Father, we pray, we pray right now, Lord, just for eyesight to return. Yes. Father, we speak to that pressure in her eyes. We command it to go down. Yes. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, we command her body. Now, Lord... Dory has living on the inside of her the very life of God, yes. <laughs> Lord. She has Your life. Yes. So Father, I just I call on I call on that Lord. I call on the power of God on the inside of her to bring about a change yes. in her body, Thanks. that her eyesight that her eyes would would function properly. Yes. Father, the pressure in her eyes would be normal. Yes, Father, that these cataracts would just disappear. Yes. They would fall off in the name of Jesus like scales off the eyes like yeah, they did yeah. like they did the apostle Paul. Thank you, Father. When he had his encounter with you, Lord. So Father, we just speak from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Yes. We speak health, healing, Father, wholeness yes. in Jesus' name. Father, that no there'll be no complications. Yes. Father, but there'll be full recovery. Father, and even full recovery of sight, Lord. Yes. Now the doctor said that the that the sight would not be restored. The Lord, that's that's all they know, right. Father. But we're depending on the great physician. Yes. We're depending on the power God. of God, thank Lord. You, the miraculous working, yes. the supernatural power yes. of God working in her life right now, Lord. Yes, yes. even as He created her, you God. got parts in heaven. We thank Amen. you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we just speak over her right now. We speak health, wholeness. Yes, restoration, Father, in Jesus' name, we receive it. In Jesus' name, if any of y'all have a word or have a prayer, just go ahead and release that. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Somebody having uh, back pain, like uh, it's like right in the middle, right in the middle of your back, maybe even a muscle, uh, muscle or something, just right in the middle of your back, almost like. Just like right in, the, right in the very center of your back, anybody having trouble with that? Mike, let me pray for you, Mike and Scotty. Mike, can you come down here? Do you mind to come down here, Mike? <clears throat> While I was praying for her, I just, I just, uh, just sensed the Lord was just doing a healing in that. Father, right now for Mike and Scotty, Lord, for that back problem and the back pain, Lord. Now the same thing—they have the life of God living yes, on the inside of them, plenty, Father. and Father, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, we we claim healing, Father. That that back. Father, wherever that is that's hurting their back, Father, whatever it is, in Jesus' name we speak life. The very life of God flowing up and down their back, their muscles, their vertebrae. In Jesus' name right now. (laughs) The power of God. The life of God flowing through them right now bringing healing. In Jesus' name. We receive that, Father, right now. In Jesus' name. We release that. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Hallelujah, Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I believe God did some big things. Amen. I encourage you. I encourage you as we go as we go today. Go with the, with the knowledge of knowing that you have the life of God living on the inside of you. There is nothing greater. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing that can come your way that can override that life. That power that you have on the inside of you. That's the reason he said, greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. That power that's living on the inside of you, yes, is the Holy Spirit. But you know, what what drives the Holy Spirit is the life of God. Amen? So we encourage you this morning. Go with that knowledge. Go knowing. Paul prayed that. He said, I pray that they know, a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that they know that they have the life of God living on the inside of them. Amen? You have eternal life. And that's not only that's not only for glory, that's for today too. Amen. Thank God for eternal life when we get there and, and we'll live in eternity. Yes, that's great. But man, I want to see some eternal life right now. You know, I want to see some life of God right now. In in all of our lives. Amen. So I pray that I pray that, that you are ministered to and blessed today. If if you received healing today, man, you didn't even have to cut listen, you didn't even have to come down and have hands laid on you to receive healing. Because you have the life of God living on the inside of you. Amen. So just receive it right there where you are and, and go in peace knowing that God loves you, that, that He's there for you, and that, that He's got great things in store for you today. Amen. We have prayer tonight at 6. If you can make it back, we'd love to have you come pray with us. So God bless you guys. With that, we'll be dismissed. Everybody have a blessed day and a wonderful day. God bless you.